Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I would like to welcome you to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy, a podcast that takes a look at stories of life and leadership for smart, amazing women and men like you. The most important thing is showing up. Don't think that you have to bring anything. Bring yourself, show up, and and remain steadfast and be a... If you are in a position of leadership and a position of management, bring women along with you. Supporting women is my passion and my purpose. And talking with other women and men who promote women's leadership is one of my favorite things to do. I've yet to meet a woman who did not know what she really wanted. She was just either afraid to ask the questions or she was afraid of what the answers meant. Their stories connect us and help us to understand that the possibilities are endless if we support each other and lift other women up. Trust is created by persistent identity. I show up as myself time and time and time again. And trust is built. It's one conversation at a time. Welcome. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. This is a great, gonna be a great conversation. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and I'm happy to welcome Dr. Denise Caleb. She has a doctorate in education, and she has a PHR to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. Dr. Caleb is a president of Human Resources Standards Institute, HSI, the world's premier standards and credentialing organization for private and publicly traded organization. As president, Dr. Denise Caleb uses her extensive business knowledge and HR experience and network to drive the impact of the future work of HR and DNI for professionals, showing how standards can be leveraged by international corporations across the world. Before joining HSI, she worked over 25 years in human resources, business development, partnerships, and DEIB and marketing executive leadership roles. I don't know what all these DEs things. We'll we'll just have to, you'll have to share that. But Caleb has served on seven executive teams and four boards. As a military spouse, she has earned the prestigious Commander's Award for 26 years of public service to Army spouses. That's fantastic. She's currently a board member for Rockies Venture Club, an angel investor group, and has earned a reputation for herself as a real estate mogul and investor. She also received the 2022 Stevie Awards Finalist Female Executive of the Year and, is, and was honored as one of the top 25 women in business by Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce. Besides her doctorate in education, she holds several certifications, including a PHR Professional and Human Resources Certification from HBCI, a Harvard Business School Global Education and DNI certification from Cornell. I am so pleased to get to introduce you. You are probably one of the most educated women I've talked to in a long time, and I'm so excited to get to talk to you today. So, how are you? <laughs> I am good. Thank you so much. I think I think I, think I destroyed your introduction. So. <laughs> When the when we get the when we get you the video and it will be up and running, we'll have all your credentials in place. But um, you didn't you didn't stop anywhere. You made sure you had uh, had education and certification in every every place that you 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 work in. You know, I always start start these conversations out with a personal story because you know all the things that we've just talked about, all we said, all the things we've said about you. The really the difference that I think that women really want to know is where did you come from. 
How did you get to be this wonderful, amazing, educated woman, so experienced and so knowledgeable about human resources, business, and diversity and inclusion? So let's start there. How did you get to be you? Okay, thank you so much. And thank you for the wonderful introduction. And, and Dr. O'Reilly, it's a pleasure to be here with you today. So to give a little context, I think that's a great question. Like, where did it all start? My story, where did I come from? So I, I consider myself a pretty small town girl. I grew up here in Colorado. Um, I was born in Montrose, Colorado, and grew up in a city called Lamar, Colorado, down in the southeastern corner. And I am so pleased and, and thankful that I got to be a part of a pretty uh, driven family. And um, they just wanted the best for us. My mom and dad have South Carolina roots, and they let us explore and kind of get involved in anything that we wanted to, to see, you know, what type of path did we want to take from a academic and leadership perspective. And um, I was very fortunate to be involved in a lot of things early on, like 4-H and then my time with DECA. And at the time it was called Future Homemakers of America. Yeah. I was able yeah, to be the, the president of those organizations. And I think that gave me some footing and some leverage to have some great leadership capabilities and experiences early on. And then as I progressed and went to undergrad and had the opportunity to have my first position out in the world at Ford Motor Credit Company, that also afforded me a lot of great opportunities. I was working in their finance and collections area and got to explore and, and be with Ford Motor Credit at three different locations from Oregon to Colorado to Maryland over a short period of time, about a three-year span, and had a great experience with a HR professional. And I said, what is HR? <laughs> and tell me a little bit more about that. He had stopped by my desk when I worked at the regional center for Ford. And from there, he said, you know, I think you'd be a great recruiter for us. And so that was my first kind of entryway into HR. And I just yeah. fell in love with it. I, I say all the yeah. time, I eat, breathe, and sleep HR. And so got to create a wonderful career path across higher ed, retail pharmacy. I worked for the University of Kansas Health System. Um, I worked for a community hospital called San Juan Regional Medical Center. And then I now have the opportunity to work at HRCI and lead all of our work under HRSI. So it's it's been it's been quite the journey. <laughs> what I really like about your story is that you really had a lot of hands-on. And you learned very quickly about what HR is, because I don't think a lot of people understand what HR is. I really don't. I, I, I was also the director of a large EAP and worked with many, not only the, the 30,000 plus employees of the institution, Mercy Hospital Systems, but I also worked with the companies that we uh, contracted with for health services and EAP services. And the, the one thing that became so very, very important to me, I was a psycho, I was a licensed psychologist as well, as well. Mm -hmm. but, but the most important thing that became I became aware of over and over again were relationships. And it was the relationships, not only within the company, but the relations outside of the company. Yes. Because I don't think a lot of organizations understand the value of the talent and the people that they bring into their institutions, organizations, are the key factors to, for their success. They are customers because one employee can tell five other people that are even thinking about working for the company, whether it's a great place to work, 
who can tell five other people, you know, I mean, I, I think the most important thing is human resources. And again, you started out with a mentor. You started out with a relationship and became a recruiter. So you were at the very bottom or probably the most important, the entry point in a corporation a business is the most important place. Your first contact with a company can leave lasting impressions. So just your thoughts about that. Yeah, I think that that was huge for me because there's a lot of different entry points into HR. And if you'll speak to a lot of HR professionals, they didn't start with HR often. Sometimes they landed there in a particular way. And mine happened to be a great interaction with an HR manager who saw something in me in regards to, oh, we think you could be a part of our recruitment team, our talent acquisition team. And those experiences, and as you mentioned, relationships, I think are such a huge part of HR. There's so many different disciplines within HR. You can be a generalist, you can be a specialist, and then you can move from there to coordinating, to doing talent acquisition, and then moving up into um, management roles and supervisory roles. And then eventually, you know, there's a lot of key um, spots at the um, director and senior director and C-suite level. And then there's opportunities to be on boards. Like you mentioned when you were doing my, yeah. my intro, I've had an opportunity to be on several boards. And a lot of that is based off of my experience in HR, you know, having another seat at the table at the board level to be able to assist and have that external and peripheral perspective as to some of the things that they could do internally from a human resource perspective. So uh, yes, it's it's been a pleasure and it has been based off of relationships and you know, human resources is such a key and pivotal piece to the success of the organization. And so I, I'm happy to see how it's flourished over the years. Because when I first started, and like I said, it wasn't that pronounced and it was still called personnel at the time. And now I think that HR professionals and strategists get to be um, a larger part of the organization in regards to they get to be more strategic and have that seat at the table and really influence the entire operations for the organization, which is very different from when I started. <laughs> well, and, and, and working with the AP and then working with human resources because we had to work very closely with one another in behavioral health as well. We were writing policies and procedures. We were writing policies and procedures on uh, sexual harassment, danger in the workplace. You know, we, I mean, it has come a long way, but you know, again, a lot of companies have had, had to understand not only OSHA and all the different laws, but they've also had to incorporate them into their companies and help employees to understand what their rights are and what their rights are to the customers as well. So it's been a, it's been an interesting ride, but but still, I think we're turning a corner that companies really are understanding. I think since COVID, especially. Uh, a lot of people walked out the door. Some people were asked to leave and walk out the door. You know, they were asked to leave. They were given a golden parachute or just basically say uh, last hired, first hired out, you know, so there was, that was going on. But then we've got this interesting, not, it's not interesting. It's actually kind of a, a very difficult situation. So many women left the workforce mm -hmm. because of COVID, uh, not having childcare because the schools were not in in session and not having the affordability to, to pay for services while they while they worked so that we've lost some talent and the, uh, corporations have lost talent 
for, for many reasons. But again, the overwhelming number of women who have left the workforce, many who, have been, who could and were extremely important to these companies. What, what are your thoughts about that? Ooh, <laughs> yes. Oh, Dr. O'Reilly, yes. Once again, we see that women are being impacted and it's disproportionate, right? And, yeah. you know, I hope long-term in the future, we'll see that those playing fields will be leveled. But the, the truth of the matter is, whether it was by choice or by request, women did leave the workforce during um, COVID-19 at a higher level and rate. And often it was to take on those traditional caretaking duties and to be that um, head of the household in regards to making all the operations of that household work. And so in ways that's good and in ways that's bad. If it wasn't by choice, um, I think that it is, it's a negative. And so um, we do have to be very careful and mindful as a workforce as to how do we make sure that we recapture those levels of talent that want to come back and are ready to come back and making sure that we make the systematic processes of talent acquisition happen with ease so that women can apply and be able to interview and be able to re-enter the workforce. You know, there was a multitude of things that impacted that. Um, again, the, the stay-at-home factor, um, being able to be the one to step up and say, okay, I'm going to do the caretaking duties, or maybe even looking at the dual income mm -hmm. dynamics. Maybe it was more of a financial decision that um, the woman stepped back out of the position, you know, or the, the partner, you know, if it was um, not male or female, if it's um, a LGBTQ plus or partnership household, if the woman had to step back, regardless of who it is, it might've been because of financial dynamics and, and making sure that the, the wage earner or the higher wage earner was able to be positioned in the workforce. And so all those things have impacted them. So now I think we need to kind of pivot and say, okay, how do we best get them to return and making sure there's not the underemployment that we're seeing or the lack of employment? Because oftentimes women, when they enter back in, to the workforce, they end up being underemployed and they have to work their way back up um, yeah. to those earnings that they had before. And so yeah. how do we prevent that from happening and what I would call that great divide and, and making sure that we get women positioned with their seat at the table, whatever level that is, so they can contribute. Because we know that the diversity of having multiple perspectives from a gender perspective helps the entire organization to thrive. Yeah. Um, so it's really important that we alleviate that imbalance that's there. Yeah. And, and I think uh, this has become even more visible. This has become more apparent that people want to be around people that look like themselves, like-minded people like themselves. And I, and I think, again, these people that definitely do have these talents really, really can uh, position themselves with corporations with that in mind. But, but again, I think that's what's happened is that we, uh, you know, for me, for me, it's been a, a chance to really decide or really look at what I really do want. Where do I feel best? Where do I, who do I feel best with? Mm -hmm. And where can I best serve, uh, serve uh, this world that I'm living in to make it a better world to, to, to do? And what, to, how do I do that? And, and I think this generation that we're looking at and the generations to come are a different generations in that regard that they truly are looking at all those variables so closely 
and probably more so than any other generation, that diversity and inclusion are even more important. And to be with people who have similar views and ideas uh, to, to, to create those amazing teams, to, to really get the job done. And that ownership within the company that people need to feel to be really successful. Absolutely, absolutely. And that piece of the diversity factor and inclusion factor, I think is impacting you know, all genders, but particularly again with women and making sure that we get them gainfully employed and return to the workplace. I think we all have to put some intentionality behind that and make sure that we're being mindful that there has been an impact and yeah. those that are ready to return, how do we best support them to get them back into the workforce? Yeah. So, you know, you talk about driving the future of the work, workforce, the workplace. What's on your visor? What's what's on your list of things to do? What, what's your bucket list look like? What's, what's it, what is it? Give us, give us clues. <laughs> I want some clues. Yes, yes. Well, you know, really over a year now, I've been focusing on kind of a larger impact for change um, from an organizational standpoint and looking at diversity and inclusion and, and how do we give individuals and workplaces the opportunity to have a playbook or a guidebook and how to do diversity and inclusion in a certain way that allows for confidence, not only internally and externally, but of stakeholders that, hey, we do have uh, the right recipe for how we're going to approach our diversity and inclusion work and making sure that people feel valued and that things are equitable and there's equality and there's justice within our systems within our workplace and that people not only feel a level of inclusivity, but they also feel a level of belonging because there's definitely a distinction between the two. And so that's what I've been focused on. And so at HRSI, we've been able to uh, offer a organizational certification. We base all of our standard certifications off of ISO standards. And so the first one that we released back in May of this year was ISO's 30415, which is the diversity and inclusion standard. And it's been a pleasure to be able to work with several organizations um, to allow them to apply for certification and start this journey to make sure they've got all of the key elements and all the pillars that are needed to have an effective diversity and inclusion initiative and to do it from an international perspective. Yeah, because we're not just doing it. What what does that look like? How how are these organizations with these certifications show accountability? What are the measures that, you know, you can go out and get all the certifications in the world. I mean, I've got I've got plenty of myself. But the point is, am I being accountable with my mediation certification? Am I being accountable with my EAP certification? I mean, we have to have ways to for these organizations to not only set up standards and policies and procedures that fit into that criteria, but showing accountability, how they're actually functioning and being successful in the corporation itself. Absolutely. And that accountability is like the key word, like how do we drive that? And also what we would call continuous improvement, that it's this isn't a one and done. So with all the organizations that we work with through HRSI, they're on a path and they 
don't just receive a certificate. So there's definitely a distinction and a difference between a certificate and a certification. Within our certification process, there's an annual review and there's ability to recertify. So with the diversity and inclusion certification, our organizations recertify every five years, but on an annual basis, they come back and they review and they look at you know, where did they have some nonconformities or some areas that they set goals around where they wanted to make progress? That way we check that barometer and make sure that there is continuous improvement. So that's the way we're approaching it. And that's why I was so excited to join and be a part of the work because yeah. Yeah, I've, been, I've been doing diversity and inclusion work for a long time. And it's always been like a portion or a fraction of my role. I um, had not had the opportunity to have it as the full part because you always have competing yeah. priorities. Yeah. other things that you're asked to do so it's been fun to help the profession itself <laughs> you know diversity and inclusion you know I began with Dr. Sheila Robinson I began going to diversity business conference yeah I know we we, we are good Sheila and I are good friends and we've talked about this a lot is that when do we all get just to be people when do we all come together and we know that we're better and stronger and more capable when we work together? And, you know, not only that, it's a lot more fun. And yeah. I think businesses have to get, begin to understand that. I mean, you know, my, my success, I have, I have several businesses myself, but it's really about how we get along and how the owner, and you're right, belonging is key, and the ownership is also key. You, you know, if you, if you own something, typically you're going to take better care of it than than if you don't so you know for me it's it's really my my last book was called we're in this together and I think that's what I'm trying to hear more and more people say to me is that you know we, we've all got to come together and it's very simple to be successful and this is really the bottom line for companies of course is the bottom line is their success the you know their their financials what they look like how their customers or or their investors you know feel about the the success of the company and so forth but the bottom line is it's got to start with start internally and then move externally out to the people that 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 company is serving and i think more than anything that we're seeing more and more it's for the better it's for the good of all it's for the good of all mm -hmm. and i love that when we're in this together and you know that was a common phrase during the height of covid and it's so true and a place to diversity and inclusion work as well, because um, if we continue to not embrace the differences and also the similarities that we have and being collaborative, then we're not going to get where we need to be. So now we're all in this together. We all have a different perspective and life journey that we're bringing to the, the table and a different set of intersections. But at the end of the day, we've got a lot of things that we can learn from each other and all the data and the studies show that the more diverse your workforce is, and particularly when you follow that all the way through to your leadership level and your board level, the better outcomes you have financially. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I just, I don't know why we wouldn't want to be on this path. Yeah. <laughs> such a richer, such a richer environment to be in all, all in all. Well, you know, we've actually done, this is research and they've done studies of biology of men and women and believe it or not, when it comes down to biology, we're more alike than we are different. And this is something that a lot of people, and you know, and again, we get into gender, we get into culture, we get into to race, all those things. Mm -hmm. But really, if we boil it down to 
you know, we, we all want to survive. We want to have shelter. We want to take care of our families. We want to live in our communities. We want to make this world a better place for the next generation. We, we start to see, uh, I'm getting on my podium. Uh, let's see, let me get up here. I've got, I'm, I'm, I'm up here now. But, you know, we really start to see that everybody, this is a win-win. It's a win-win. So, okay, you're, you're the expert. You've got all this experience, 25 years, and you've been helping army spouses. You've done all this to really help people. What, what, are the, your, what would you tell people your, the key ingredients for success or, or happiness in the workplace are right now? <laughs> for success and happiness. Well, I think it's a lot of what we've talked about, that ability to collaborate and know that people are bringing different perspectives to the workplace. We all have um, a household that we grew up in, a community that we grew up in, and keeping that in mind that we all show up this, at this place called work with these different perspectives, and we need to lean in and learn about them and, and be able to see things from each other's vantage points. Um, yeah. I think that is key. And that's why I love the work that I get to focus on now, because I mean, I've done a lot of great work over the last 25 years and, and love the opportunities that have been afforded to me. But I really think um, it is important, particularly now, and what employees and teammates and team members are experiencing with work, because there was a shift through COVID where I think everybody had an opportunity to reevaluate their purpose and how their purpose ties to the mission, vision, values of the organization. So I think, gosh, you know, organizations just have to, to align with this and, and help their employees to see their own individual purpose and how that ties to the organizational's vision and mission. Well, that, that, yeah, it's going to take everyone. You know what? Pe people that use I, me, and mine a lot, I kind of stop and I look at them and kind of go, you know, you might want to rethink what you're saying there. Yeah. You know, my success, I did this, mine, 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 because we both know nobody gets anywhere on their own. Nobody. So yeah. I, I'm always kind of you know, looking carefully and listening to the language and go, hmm, this person I might have a little difficulty with. Well, I'm going to challenge you and then I'm going to, you're going to tell people more about where to reach you and talk more about what you're doing. But Women Connect for Good, we've had the Lift Women Up campaign going on for, for years. We're about ready to go into 2023. One of the things that we're doing is we're not only recruiting other individuals, corporations, and, and companies to join this, this amazing campaign, but it's lifting as you rise. You know, you've seen it in your own work. When women are rise and they lift, someone else, this, this continuum grows of, of this leadership within the company that creates such value and, and such belonging and mm -hmm. such success. So, but one of the things that we'd like to do is, is to invite you to become a part of, the, of your, and your human resources department, become a part of the Lift Women Up campaign. And again, it's, it sounds simple, but it's 52 weeks of giving women things they can do to lift not only themselves up, we can't lift until we lift ourselves, but mm -hmm. lift as we rise. But, you know, we've seen success uh, over success of women who have, who have really just, every time they do something, they bring someone else along with them. Yeah. And it, it's such a, a wonderful point of reference and so much success and so much happiness and belonging comes from so we're going to get you involved and get you some information and Absolutely. i know you, I, I know you're a very busy person but we're hoping this will be a tool that you can use 
in your uh, in your area of expertise that will help you as well. Because today I want to lift you as we rise today. So that's what this is about. So how do we learn more about you? How to reach you and uh, for for us to continue to tell our stories. Thank you. Yeah, and I just want to comment. Yes, I want more information. I love women supporting women, and I love how you framed it and packaged it in regards to lifting one another up. I've had a lot of individuals in, in my past, um, particularly women who have um, been a mentor, a coach, and a sponsor to me. So definitely want to learn more about being a part of that. Uh, so ways to learn more about the Human Resource Standards Institute, definitely going to our website, and that will fill you up with lots of great information. Um, and that is at um, hrsi.org. And you'll be able to get information about what it's like to join the journey and being a part of getting your organization certified. And, and we just released human capital reporting as a organizational standard to get certified against, and that's ISOs 30414. And so we've got two certifications in the market. And so visiting there, um, calling us directly, and of course, reaching out to me on LinkedIn, I'm under Dr. Denise Caleb. And, um, but our website is a great way because then we can you can have a lot of your initial questions answered, and then you can also fill out a contact us form at hrsi.org. And then that way you'll be put right um, in contact with our client relationship team and be able to get more information and set up a call and, and start to explore what this looks like for your organization directly. Fantastic. Well, you know, the one thing that also can be created, and I'm sure you've, you've also considered this as well is the network of these organizations when you when you have uh, a level of, of of certification and a level of performance and operations these are the companies that you want to work with you know and, and again this is the this is the neat thing about it is when you start finding other corporations you know there's that ability to work with and to know that you're going to get, get the very best of the best so I think this is absolutely wonderful, but uh, I want to thank you to, for coming on to speak to me today, and uh, I look forward to seeing you again, and of course, I hope this year I didn't make it to the Diversity Women's Business Conference because I was actually at a function in San Francisco, so I just could not split myself in two. I did make an address at the, at the conference, but... Uh, I didn't make it this year. It was very, very sad. So um, I, I will look forward to seeing you at future conferences as well. But absolutely, Denise, thank you so much. Continue success. Thank you. I love what you're doing, and you have a wonderful day. See okay. You. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you enjoy these smart, amazing conversations, please subscribe, rate, and review them on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And read and enjoy more amazing stories in my books, In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life, and Leading Women, 20 Influential Women Share Their Secrets to Leadership, Business, and Life. Thank you for listening. <laughs>